0: listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 173. When I look at that, I think, what did I do different on this deal? And there, there were a few quirks about it, but essentially doing the same thing we've done on other deals. And God has taken tremendous care of us in anything we've done in the past. And so I look at this as just another time where he's he's really blessed us and and I'm I'm very thankful I certainly want to give him the glory for it
1: absolutely <laughs> Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim.
2: hey everybody this is Tom Kroll, America's number one wholesaling coach and I have got a very special guest with me today. It's my good buddy Josh Stevens he has been a tribe member now for a while, right Josh how long have you been in the tribe? uh over two years two years that's oh man that's awesome so you've really seen a lot then that's awesome good 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 so. Josh has been in the tribe for about two years and he started off and he had some great early success and he just really did a deal that was really spectacular. He made over or just on the nose, 60K. I think it was, was it 60K?
0: It was uh, under
2: 63.
0: Just under 63.
2: Okay. So awesome. A lot amount of money. That's a big amount of money. That's more money than most American couples make in an entire year. So what he did was he was part of a case study and I want to tell you guys about it where you can make more money but not have to do any more deals. And it's something that we called bigger deals. But I'm gonna tell you guys about what that is. It's run by my older brother, my original mentor, Todd Toback. He has been just a lighthouse in this industry for me personally and for the entire tribe and all the rhinos. He runs um, bigger deals and he runs Rhino Roundtable. So he's a rock star. And right now, if you go to Wholesaling Inc com forward slash, uh, deals. I think it's actually closed. The case study is closed right now, but he is going to reopen it. So if you're interested, go and sign up and find out when it's going to reopen. But Josh is going to tell us a little bit more about what it was and how his deal size, you know, got so big. Really, that's an incredible number. So we're going to pick his brain. And you know this is the no fluff, no BS zone. So we're going to get right to the meat and potatoes. Nobody cares about Tom and nobody cares about Josh. You guys want to have the same results and that's what we're going to get to. So uh, we are here to be your servants and to provide you with some really good insight. If you don't know what wholesaling is, wholesaling is very simply the art of consistently finding discounted properties in your neighborhood And making a fortune doing that, whether you are a landlord, a rehabber, whether you purchase the property and put it back on MLS or you assign the contract, either way, wholesaling is going to be the art of consistently finding discounted properties. So that's what we're going to be talking about here today. And we're going to be picking Josh Stevens' brain. So I'm looking forward to it. So, Josh, you are in Texas. Let's get right to the meat and potatoes, brother, because you've already been on the podcast before. So everyone's already bored with your personal story. So let's yeah. find, let's get right to the uh, good stuff. I want to go right into the important stuff. So first of all, what is your average deal size? So we kind of have a starting point for what you're doing right now.
0: Okay. So before we did, did this recent large deal, uh, really large deal, uh, I think our average was around Just under ten thousand. Okay, so let's just call it nine k. Yeah, sure. Okay, and and that was probably over about twenty five deals.
2: Okay, so you had done about twenty five. So I'm going to write this down. So you've done about twenty five deals, and the average assignment fee or the average profit was about nine thousand dollars. Correct. Okay, so that's still really really good. That's really excellent. So that's amazing. And bigger deals, kind of what I'd like you to do is just kind of tell us a little bit of a story. What I'd like to know, Josh, is number one, why did you decide to do the case study with Todd? Tell us a little bit about it. And I did not run the case study. I wasn't one of the coaches. So I'm curious to tell us a little bit more about the format. You know, obviously it was eight weeks because it's an eight week case study. So I imagine it was eight weeks. But tell us a little bit more about how did it go? What got you interested in it? Why you decided to do it? What did all of that look like? Sure.
0: So when I first started with you, Tom, I I know the focus of wholesaling, the the main course is to get you up and running, doing wholesaling deals. Right. And and after I had been in the course for a little while, there was another course offered. It was the uh, No Limit Selling System. And that was one that Todd did. And I did that. And it was really helpful. Really, it, it focused more on, let's drill down on a specific part of it. How do we really make this work well with meeting with the motivated sellers and locking up deals and just a real focused, intense course there. And I took that and it was great. And so whenever I saw the bigger deals uh, case study opportunity there, I thought, you know, this is probably going to be good just like the other was. And so I, I looked into it and it was, again, it was like, let's take it from where you are. You're operating, you're doing wholesale deals, but let's make this really explode. And so I was interested in, and and uh, jumped board and started learning a lot.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's funny. What? So we just recently, guys, for all our listeners, we had a convention, we had a meeting, a wholesaling Inc. Summit in Orlando. It just has passed. What? I don't. I think it was. What was that? It was in uh, January? Oh, so maybe yeah. it, was, it passed about four months ago. But we had this, and Todd had gotten up on stage, and. Todd's just a, a wonderful coach. I mean, for me personally, having him as an older brother has been a game changer. And, you know, after people get to know him, they're like, oh, now I know where you get all your stuff from. It's not from you, <laughs> it's from <laughs> Todd, which is true. I'd readily admit that. But, you know, he had spoken on stage and we had a lot of amazing speakers on stage. But Todd, I mean, after the speech was over, he had a crowd of people. And Darren Bentley came up to him and he said, you know, Tom, All these people are asking for access to how to make more revenue without having to do more deals. And uh, that's actually, we decided right at that moment, we said, let's do an eight-week case study. And then we put it up and uh, people signed up. And that was kind of the inception for us. But yeah, I think that was the biggest takeaway is that, you know, hey, more revenue without having to increase number of deals, which means without having to increase the marketing, which was insane. So take us through bigger deals. Like how did it go? What did it look like? Were you participating on the phone calls or listening to recordings or how, how did that work?
0: Sure. So eight weeks, like you described, there were uh, some training videos each week and then we had a weekly call. Uh, we'd go over the material that was covered in the videos that week and then we would do question and answer and some role play, which role play is really, really beneficial. Cause it kind of exposes weaknesses or gaps in your skills or your technique. Right. So that really a lot. So it goes through that and initially started with probably what I would consider the biggest key in wholesaling. Well, and <laughs> certainly not an expert, but I've, I've done it the wrong way. And uh, that is having a good solid active buyers list that uh, is constantly being refreshed with new buyers and updated. And, and that was a, a big part of the first of the course. And then we moved through meeting with sellers and really drilling down on some things that make deals that might not have been there if it was a lay, not necessarily lay down deals, but make it to where we can make something happen with those without spending more money on marketing.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, so what is like a specific – obviously, so the more cash buyers, the better. That makes a lot of sense. What is like a key takeaway or a negotiation tactic that you took away where you were like, man, this I implemented? Or I guess what I really want to know is how the heck did you more than six times your profit margin – what was like the magic bullet or what was like – how did that even happen? Because that – I mean $60,000, Josh, is a – for a lot of people who are listening right now – you know, who don't have a lot of experience, maybe you're just getting started. You know, I know you've done 25 deals now, but that's a real life changing amount of money. So take me through like, what was the one pinnacle, like one, two or three things that really helped you increase so, so dramatically your deal size?
0: Okay. Well, first of all, this wasn't a normal deal on the buyer end. Okay. Uh, a little unusual on the buyer end. The seller side, very typical you know, distress situation, somebody needed to move, you couldn't afford to do it necessarily what they would have liked the way they would like to have, you know, got a new place, fixed it up and sold it with a realtor for highest price. They couldn't afford to do that, weren't in position to do that. And it was a, uh, there was a lot of family drama uh, going on. I'll just leave it at that. Sure. And so uh, purchase price, you know, it wasn't crazy low like you would think of for, you know, a really large deal. But on the buyer side, I had been part of the whole idea there, building your buyer's list and and working at that all the time. I had gotten in contact with this buyer through calling Craigslist ads, and this was a property
2: management company. Okay. So let me just slow down. So the first thing is there was a distressed seller. How did you find the deal? Was it direct mail or cold calling or PPC or what? Okay,
0: this is good. Okay.
2: Uh, so it was direct mail, and the lady had
0: called me February a year ago. Okay, wow. Initially. Okay. So this thing is a database lead. Now, she hadn't Love reached it. out to us, and we hadn't contacted her other than just periodically following up. But it wasn't like we had been talking for a year. Okay. But she started calling really like over and over and over calling. And a VA handles initial contact. And so I kept seeing these alerts and I was like, we got to get in contact with this lady. If you haven't yet, you got to call her. So anyway, I called the lady and she said, yes, I'm definitely interested in selling. I need to sell quickly. And so I booked an appointment with her immediately. I was out in the field when I called her and I went ahead and went over to her house that day.
2: Right. So let me just say this. So did you leave that house with a contract? I did. Okay, so three things, guys, for if you're new or even if you're not new, that Josh did. Number one, database follow-up, right? The money is in the what? What, Josh, you tell us. That's it, the database, you guys. When you are a wholesaler and you're just starting out, you're going to have that big push of marketing. Whatever your marketing is, whether it's direct mail, PPC, cold calling, bandit signs, door knocking, driving for dollars, whatever – But what you're going to start to realize is the majority of your deals will start to come through your database. So keeping track of that is key. Number two, you notice that Josh said he had a virtual assistant who is monitoring the voice belt inbox. Is that right, Josh? they are monitoring the inbox. So you guys, any of that granular routine work that needs to be done on a daily basis, the detailed work, visionaries, entrepreneurs, creative people who are at 50,000 feet, we're not usually good at that. So outsource it. And number three is, did you see how when he knew it was a good deal, he ran out to the property that day and he didn't leave until he had it under contract? Absolutely critical. Not like, I'm going to evaluate a hundred different things and let me think about it. He got it under contract and he got it out under that day. It's critical, guys. It is absolutely critical. I've you know personally already have closed quite a number, a big number of deals this month already. Sense of urgency, progress, not perfection, speed of implementation, all these things that, you know, this is what, you know, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about Josh. We're just following a program and a script that works. So awesome. All right. So brother, so you get it under contract. So I
0: I got it under contract. I, I scheduled, before I left, I went ahead and scheduled the walkthrough for my buyers to come walk through. Okay. That look at the property. And then, uh, had several offers come in. And the one that got it, he was interested in it because it was adjacent to one of his properties, a larger parcel. So he wanted it bad. I never would have had him in my database for a buyer if I hadn't you know, gone looking for buyers and gone after it like that.
2: So. Right. I got it. Okay, so you purchased the property and then you resold it to him, I imagine? I did okay. it, yes. And so you already knew before purchase— that you were going to be able to sell to this guy for this sixty three thousand or so sixty two thousand and some uh, dollar amount, that's incredible. So I just want to be clear about this. How did you find a real estate investor to buy it? You, when you said you cold called Craigslist, first of all, what is the script that you used to do that for looking for buyers? And what part of Craigslist did you cold call? It? Was it for rent, for sale? You know, was it landlords? Who were you calling on Craigslist? So if somebody is listening, they want to copy what you did to build their real estate investor list how would they do that?
0: So, and this is coming straight from you, Tom, I was calling for rent ads on Craigslist. Uh, this one was a property management company. Oh, and man. so I called and I said, uh, hi, I, I'm just getting, this is early on. I, I'm just getting started in real estate investing. Are you looking for additional properties or are your clients looking for properties to purchase and uh, to add to their portfolio? Sure. You know, they, they, said whatever they said. And I said, well, I locate discounted properties for cash buyers. When I come across uh, something, can I let you know about it? And sure. Yeah. Let me know. Send us an email, call us, whatever. And that was it. So then I had that contact in there and just rinse and repeat.
2: I love it. So easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And that's why you guys don't read the ads on Craigslist, just call everybody because even a property manager might be an awesome buyer so, or know a buyer. So, so property managers are definitely key. Property managers, if you know a lot, enough of them, will give you motivated sellers and cash buyers. So it's a double blessing. So that's awesome, man. So what is the game plan now for the Stevens family? What are you guys doing with $60,000? I want to know because okay, that's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I, when I was talking to my wife about this, when we knew it was getting close to close, of course, you, you don't ever want to just sit there and count on one deal. You could say but that again. We, we were kind of excited about it. And I, I told her, what I want to do is be able to focus my attention for a short period of time on getting some acquisition help, getting acquisition specialists up and running. this was the first really big Slug that we could coast for a, you know a few weeks in order to get that going, uh, not totally let revenue go out the window or anything, but be able to breathe and spend a little time focusing on on uh, hiring and training acquisition. So
2: that's what I'm doing right now. I know
0: uh, two couple of days from now I'm going to be starting with a guy that that we're hiring.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I'm ringing this victory bell for you. That is awesome, brother. I mean, sixty-two thousand dollars—that's an insane amount of money, really. So, congratulations! But, awesome. I want to. Can, can I give you a little bit of coaching?
0: Give it to me, brother. Okay.
2: So, uh-huh. so if anything goes too personal, you just tell me, and we won't. We'll shut the recorder off. But I want to just. So here's the question I have. Awesome job, but let me. Get, so when you said like it gives us a little time, the coast is very scary for me. Right I don't now. know. Okay, uh, so don't like
0: that terminology there.
2: Yeah, no no. it's too late. We can't go back. It was already said, and it's. Re- I can play back the recording, oh. as Judge Judy says. Right. <laughs> so oh. here's what I would say: is that just know, like right now, when you have a big deal, that's the time to punch the gas, not to pump the oh. brake right? So you want to like, you've come this far, you want to come a little bit further. How many deals have you done so far? So right now we are in April, right? So it's January, February, March, mid-April. How many deals have you done so far this year?
0: Uh, I think eight.
2: Okay. So here's the deal. I don't remember. Yeah. So here's what I would do, right? What I would do is I would find an acquisition manager. That's fine if that's the route you want to go. But let me make a suggestion. Right now, you know, so at eight deals, you are at January, February, March, April. So you're basically at two deals a month. That's eight closed deals? Right. That was eight through March. Yeah. Okay. So April isn't counted yet? No. Okay. So you're right there, but I would just punch the gas a little bit more and really focus on more deals. How is your pipeline looking right now? What do you have lined up? How much money are you going to make in the next 30 days?
0: Probably in the next 30 days.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, 10k, I guess. Okay, that's, between, that's that's one deal. No, it's two. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's what I would suggest. I think you're right there, but I would, when you get an acquisition manager, sometimes things are going to slow down a little bit, and the problem is your margins are good, but your volume is low. Er. Than it should be, right? So I would focus right now on increasing volume. I would try to consistently be doing like three to four deals every month. Let me also say this: when you prepare for your acquisition manager, what I would suggest is that you really double up on your marketing, right? So let's just say just whatever. Let's just say that you're spending like you're sending out you know a thousand postcards a week, whatever, or twenty five hundred postcards a week. What I would do is I would double that up. Right, I would try to get more appointments, more belly-to-belly appointments with sellers, get more properties under contract, have a nice fat pipeline, then bring the acquisition manager in. How are you planning on paying your acquisition manager, commission or salary or what? Just commission. Yeah, so I would make sure you speak to your attorney about how to put them onto the LLC so they're like working with you or whatever the best strategy is there. Number two is if they're, let's just say you're going to pay them 20%. I would pay them like 10% and I would for eight weeks, six to eight weeks, I would go out on every single appointment with them. So that's why you want to double up your marketing. So you have more appointments, right? So right now, if you're only getting two or so deals a month, right, you're not going to have enough appointments to actually be testing them. So you want to take the lead position, right? And they should be quiet. For the first three, four weeks, and then after they're comfortable, right? You then let them take the lead position, and you're quiet. Don't correct them in front of the seller, and then you get in the car and you say, "Here's what you did right. Here's what you could have did better, and here's what you forgot." Right? And you do that for like six, seven, eight weeks, and then you just let them go on their own. You raise their commission back up to twenty percent or whatever it is, and then they're at hundred percent of their commission. And you got to make sure that you're prepared for that, number one, with number of deals. And number two, by increasing your marketing before you start that. Also, you know, I would definitely recommend that your acquisition manager has a college degree. That's very important because colleges are literally institutions that are made to produce employees. That is what their purpose is, right? The purpose of a university or a college is to produce an employee, right? So you're the visionary entrepreneur. You want an employee, I would recommend that you have a college degree. That's very important. That's what I would suggest. So just make sure that you don't do it prematurely because when you hire an acquisition manager, it's always normal because they're going to make some mistakes. Your revenue may drop a little bit, but if it drops drastically, you might be doing it prematurely, meaning you're taking your eye off the ball. Always remember, right, revenue in first position. So the problem is, is that you don't want to put your acquisition manager in first position. It should be revenue in first position. So all the oars are rowing in the same direction. Just be careful. Also, when you say like we made 60, we could coast for a while. I would do something with that. I mean, I would definitely recommend, number one, that you tithe on that 60. I know you're going to do that. I don't even have to say it to you. But tithe on the 60. The other thing too is uh, are you following the profit first model? Yes. You are. Okay. So so just make sure you're if anybody who's listening, if you don't know Profit First, it's the Mike Mikalowitz has a book called Profit First. It's a great book for entrepreneurs. I would recommend that you do that. And then I would have a game plan. Do you have a property in your pipeline right now that you can use that sixty thousand dollars to buy as a long term rental? No, I don't. I don't. So I would look at that. Try to find a rental, because in your area you could probably buy a house for fifty or sixty, right? Sure. Yeah. So just get rid of most of that cash. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you feel comfortable, like, you know, you were like, and now we could breathe. It's like, no, stay in that gasping for air mode. You know what I mean? Stay hungry. $60,000 can, I have seen that happen. It could actually throw you off course because it's such a large amount of money in such a short amount of time. So I would definitely stay in that hunger mode. And ultimately, you know, a lot of people, they go into real estate to exit the rat race, but they inadvertently create a job, right? If your ultimate game plan, you know, is to produce, let's just say, $17,000 a month through passive income, well, let's get that on the whiteboard, right? Let's paint a picture of where we're going and let's buy a house that can get us to that monthly income, right? Because ultimately, you don't want to be doing deals when you're, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, right? Eventually, you want to just have passive income from either multifamily or single family or a dividend stock, but some sort of an asset that's paying you every month. So uh, what I would do is I would want to, I know Julie and I, it's better if we just take that cash and we buy a rental that performs, uh, especially if it's free and clear, that's even better. Um, sure. But I, I would identify that number. You know, you know if, When I talk to you guys, I should be able to say, What is your freedom number? And if I have both of you in a separate room, you should both say the exact same number and what it looks like. And I should be able to close my eyes and I should be able to, you know, really have a clear picture of where you're both going. This way, all of your decisions and actions are lined up to that. So when you look at the 60,000, you're really like, man, 60,000 is not a lot because it only took us to like 3% of our goal. You know what I mean? That's – I mean just take that with a grain of salt, but – Thank you. Of course, brother. That's what I'm here for. So, but yeah, that's awesome, man. But hey, either way, I hope you get to go out to dinner with that at least. I mean, that's, saying, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, your city's quite right? Well, how close are you? To, what's your biggest city? I mean, you're in, what, Tyler? Ty- yeah,
0: Tyler is the main city nearby. So,
2: okay. Yeah. It might require a Dallas trip. I mean, you know, I'm thinking like, but I don't know. I don't know what restaurants are buying. But, but uh, good, good. So that's it. So what about, what is your game plan for, marketing going forward are you what is your main marketing channel is it direct mail still
0: it is yeah it's direct mail and our game plan with that is with the acquisition specialist coming in what my plan was is to mail progressively more up until he chokes on, <laughs> on yeah. the yeah so,
2: how many postcards are you mailing a week right now
0: uh we've been averaging i think 2200 or so something like that
2: 2200 a week Right. Okay, you're paying about, what, 38 cents a card, something like that? Uh, yes. Okay, I'm going to give you a resource. We have a new resource in the tribe. I'm going to remind me to give you the new mail house that's going to be cheaper than okay. that. And then also, have you checked the course for the updated lists? I went back
0: in there and saw a new one here yeah. not too long ago. Okay, yeah.
2: there was a new one that was added just uh, last week, so just check that out, okay?
0: Okay, I'll find it, yeah. Yeah, cool. But
2: oh, I uh, also
0: want to say, Tom when I look at that I think what did I do different on this deal and you know there were a few quirks about it but essentially doing the same thing we've done on other deals and God has taken tremendous care of us in anything we've done in the past and so I look at this as just another time where he's he's really blessed us and and I'm I'm very thankful I certainly want to give him the glory for it. Absolutely. I idea that made it $60,000. <laughs>
2: right. Well no, I mean I totally agree. I think you know it's a question of when it comes from that perspective, you know, I think it's a question of building your faith with the discipline of tithing and also by knocking on the door. Right? So, an attitude of uh, progress not perfection, you know, seeking out you know, and then knocking on those doors is key. But, you know, to me, I attribute the majority of my financial success to tithing. And I know, you know, you do too, but it's, uh, you know, if anybody who's listening right now, you know, Josh is a Christian, I'm a Christian, I can tell you guys, if you wanna open the floodgates, you know, check out Malachi, it's in chapter three, I think it's verse eight, and it's, uh, you know, really definitely, definitely tithe 10%. You know, what I always like to say about tithing is some people think it has something to do with like charity, or being like a go-giver, tithing is, that's not your money. (laughs) It does not belong to you. So if you don't tithe, there's some pretty strong language in the Bible about that. So I would very, very seriously suggest that you start tithing. And if you have any questions about that, check out the last chapter of the uh, Old Testament. But yeah, I totally agree. It's all by the grace of God. And uh, it's a blessing, man. This is the best path, but uh, I love it. So we're blessed, man. I love it. Good stuff. Sure. So, congratulations to you and your beautiful family. We still have your uh, Christmas ornament hanging up every Christmas. I'm looking forward to hanging it again this year. So thank you for sending that to us. And uh, oh yeah, that you know where you gave that to me. That was in San Antonio, Texas. I remember that now. That was Victor Moss's Ria, right? Was it?
0: Yeah, that was uh, yeah San Antonio Ria.
2: Where did we go out to dinner that night? That was uh, there was uh, a- we-
0: The rainforest cafe. The
2: rainforest cafe. Cafe. (laughs) That's right. That was a blast. Built. William Rafter was there. Cody. Darren, right?
0: Renee was there.
2: Renee Martinez. Oh man, I haven't heard from him in a while. That's good. So, brother, I love it. Congratulations. Here, actually. Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to ring the. I want to ring the original victory bell for you, but it's out of reach. Hold on one second. This is the real one. I love that one. That's the right one. It's got a little different tone to it. <laughs> it does. It does. That's the original one. I'll never sell that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good stuff. Well, congratulations, brother, again. Hey, it's good talking to you. Always good talking to you. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right, bye bye.